If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint and your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one, get two, be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. Why is there a Las Vegas today? Maybe you've been. Maybe you haven't been. I certainly have been quite a few times. Went and lost my rear end there one time and one time only. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me when I was young and poor 
and had a grand total of $600 to my name and lost all $600 in the casino. Was so torn up about it, I almost threw up. Have never gambled significantly since. Oh, I'll throw 20 or 50 on a game or something now and then. Not, not anti-gambling. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. It's just that one hurt me so bad, I never go back. But why is there a Las Vegas? And think for a moment, or if you're in front of your computer, Google image it. Google image Las Vegas. I know you have a picture in your mind of what it's like. But... Pull it up. Look at that place. Look at the money and the lights and the, I mean, it's amazing. It's an amazing place. You know why there's a Las Vegas? Well, I'm about to tell you why. A long, long time ago, early 19th century, it was rough in New York City. Very, very rough. This was the era in America where immigrants were pouring in from all kinds of countries. It's not just Italy. We talk a lot about that on our Italian mafia shows, and that was big. You know, Irish, Italians, Jews. There were tons of Jews because I know you're going to find this shocking. There was some persecution of Jews going on around the world. I know that's... (laughs) Breaking news, somebody was mad at the Jews about something. And especially from Eastern Europe, it was a big, big, big thing. Now remember, what you see now in Minneapolis, where there's a major divide in society, this group's fighting that group, it's so easy to get caught up in our moment. And think, oh gosh, this is, man, this is so uniquely our time. I I see, I hear it all the time. I hate that we live in this time. Buddy, times don't change, brother. This stuff's been going on in the history of man. How many stories have I told you behind this microphone already? And will tell you. The history of mankind is this group fighting that group. This group looking down on that group. This group joining up together because that is, that is what man does. You can call it tribalism or whatever you want to call it. What man does is man joins together with other people like him, either that look like him or worship like him or in the same socioeconomic situation. He joins up with those people because there's protection, there's safety in numbers. And so a place like New York City, late 1800s, early 1900s especially, with immigrants pouring into the city, massive poverty in certain areas, people grouped up, and the Jews did the exact same freaking thing. One of the most undertold stories in America, and it's fascinating, shoot, maybe they did it better, is Jewish mafia guys. Jewish organized crime, mega powerful, and I do mean mega powerful, and street gangs, just like everybody else. It wasn't just the Italian street gangs and the black street gangs and the Irish street gangs. The Jews did the same thing because that's what happens in poor areas. Poverty almost universally 
is going to equal some kind of crime. Now, it's going to be organized at different levels. Usually, by all appearances, usually that's based on whether there's one dude who's a little bit exceptional and can get things organized or not. I've told you that famous story before about Bumpy Johnson in Harlem. How insane the black crime was then, the black petty street uh, street crime. And then you have one dude rise up a little bit stronger, a little bit smarter, and gets that stuff cleaned up because he gets things organized. Same thing in the Italian neighborhoods, same thing in the Jewish neighborhoods. And there is a Jewish family. Poor, very, very poor. And their second born was a man named Ben Siegel. You know him as Bugsy Siegel. The man had, and this is oftentimes the case, had no time whatsoever for school. And especially back in these times, it was just not uncommon. It was not in any way uncommon to drop out of school. These days, that's horrific, right? You hear about some 13 or 14-year-old, oh my gosh, she dropped out? That was oftentimes what people had to do back then to pay the bills. It was not abnormal at all. And it was oftentimes what people chose to do if they wanted a different life. And Siegel, by all accounts, did not want to be poor and would do whatever he could not to be poor and was a violent, violent individual from extremely, extremely early on. At the age of 14, I want you to picture something. I want you to picture yourself at 14. Whether you've had a rough upbringing, a great upbringing, whatever your religion, race, whatever it may be, picture who you were at the age of 14. Now that you've got that in your head, here's what Ben Siegel would do at the age of 14. One, he started his own gang because, of course, he did. Two, he would walk up to the pushcart guys. Now, the pushcarts were how people sold their goods in New York if you couldn't afford a shop. You know, there are people, they're poor, right? You're a poor Jewish person, a poor Italian person, a poor black person, and you can't, obviously, most of these people cannot afford to just rent out this shop. Rent is astronomical then and now. So you come up with a cart, you wheel around, and that's where you sell your goods, whatever those goods may be. You've seen the movies. You know what they are. It could be clothes. It could be fruit. It could be little trinkets your wife makes. It's what you sell. At the age of 14, 14, Siegel would walk up to grown men operating their push carts and tell them, you need to pay me a dollar a month. Now that's big that's big that's fairly decent money back then. Don't don't let the dollar thing fool you. That's that's decent money back then. This is the era where a burger and a burger and fries that cost you a nickel. A dollar's decent money, especially for that age. He would walk up to these men and say, You need protection for your push push card. And obviously they would laugh at him and say, Well, just get out of here, kid. I'm be- I'm working. What? Okay. All right. Well, I hope nothing happens to it. And he would sneak back in at night and pour kerosene on them and light them on fire and then come back the next day and say, are you ready to pay for the protection of your push cart? And it worked. 
at the age of 14. This is not some 25-year-old, 250-pound street tough. 14, walking up to grown men. Now, how many times have we had this talk when we're going through the life of some mobster? Eventually, some powerful men are going to begin to take notice of this. They they begin to take notice of men who are willing to use violence. And then Benjamin Siegel meets the guy who is going to change his life, going to in many ways make his life, and vice versa. And I'll tell you who that guy is in just a sec. Boomer Naturals has face masks, and I have news for you. You're going to have to have one. (laughs) I'm sorry, man. You're going to have to have one. I just told you. I just told you yesterday about the vacation I had to cancel. I'll be honest with you. Part of the reason I canceled it is I called around where I was going. Face mask requirements every single place. Face mask requirements on the plane. Face mask requirements on this. And look, that's not a vacation. But the truth of the matter is this. We have to exist in this world now. You're going to have to go into certain situations where a face mask is required. Why not get a comfortable, easy-to-breathe one that actually works from BoomerNaturals.com? Go to BoomerNaturals.com and don't forget, do not forget, Use the code JESSE20 at checkout. Gets you 20% off every time you buy. BoomerNaturals.com. Jesse Kelly returns next. Eventually, Ben Siegel runs into a man by the name of Meyer Lansky. If you do not know that name, you need to severely brush up on your U.S. Mafia history. He is quite possibly the most powerful mobster in the history of the United States of America. And many people don't know about him. And that's part of what made him the most powerful. Because he wasn't... Wearing $10,000 suits, he wasn't out there grabbing headlines, but you, for a period of time, didn't spit on the sidewalk unless Meyer Lansky said it was okay for you to spit on the sidewalk. He runs into Benjamin Siegel. They're both contemporary. They're both same age. Lansky is very much the brains. The guy may have been a genius. Siegel is the bronze. Siegel is a wild card, and they start coming up in the mob world, and they get to know another man by the name of Charles Lucky Luciano. Now, Luciano is an up-and-coming mobster. He is not the king yet. He's under these two mob bosses in New York, and Luciano needs to get rid of them in order to rise to the top. 
If you need somebody killed in New York, you approach Benjamin Bugsy Siegel. And so a story I have told you before, Lucky Luciano meets with one of these mob bosses because they're, quote, friends. They sit down at an Italian restaurant. They stuff their faces full of spaghetti. And then at a designated time, Lucky Luciano checks his watch, excuses himself from the table, gets up, walks into the bathroom, at which point Benjamin Bugsy Siegel, in disguise, walks in with a couple other gentlemen and guns this mobster down. At the table, you can still Google image pictures of it to this day. Well, now the other mob boss in New York, remember there were two, now the other one is on the lookout. He clearly knows somebody's trying to climb in the ranks. He suspects it might be this Luciano guy, but he definitely knows he has a target on his back. So what he does is he essentially holds himself up in his building with bodyguards around him, and he really won't let any Italians come see him. He's very nervous about the Italians. Well, you're Charles Lucky Luciano. You happen to know some Jews who are willing to pull the trigger. And once again, he approaches Benjamin Bugsy Siegel. Siegel, along with a couple other Jewish gangsters, pose as IRS agents. How great is that? Get into the guy's office. And he's dead, and now Charles Luciano is the Mafia King, organizes everything, and they begin to take over New York City and organize crime in the United States of America, and life is good. However, here is where the history books get it wrong, or I should say the movies and TV series get it wrong, and nobody talks about this. You know about most of that story I just told you. Lucky Luciano rises up, takes over the American mob, organizes the American mob as if it's a business. We're not fighting anymore. This family can run this territory. This family runs this territory. You take this industry. We're all going to work together. Even murders, we're going to come together and approve them. Very businesslike. And we tell these stories, and we always act as if, well, everyone else went away. It's just Luciano and the commission. That is not true. There are other very, very, very powerful organized crime figures still in America, and they still want a piece of their pie, and they're not ready to lay down for Meyer Lansky and Bugsy and Chuck Charles Lucky Luciano. And one of them decides he's going to go ahead and kill Meyer Lansky and Bugsy Siegel. Everybody knew if you wanted to get to Meyer Lansky, if you wanted to kill Meyer Lansky, you had better figure out a way to kill Bugsy Siegel first, or he's liable to fly off the handle and kill you and everybody else you know and love. So they waited until they were together. They were in a restaurant. Charles or uh, Meyer and Bugsy were in a restaurant, and this gangster has somebody lower a bomb down the chimney where they sat. They sat right down the chimney, lower a bomb down the chimney to blow them up. Now, here's where the story gets funny, and this drives me crazy because I don't have a great answer for you what happened. You know how I tell you the numbers always change and no one can figure out the truth? In one version of this story, the bomb goes off early, way too early, so it blows up the chimney and essentially rains some bricks down on Bugsy and he's fine. Another version of the story, and I don't know how the versions could possibly be this different, 
says the bomb got all the way down. Bugsy sees it, grabs it, chucks it out the window of the restaurant before it explodes. Now, that one's more movie-like and exciting, so that's the one I want to believe. It's also the one I don't believe. I think the bomb probably went off early. Again, how could something... This didn't take place in the year 1000. This was in the 1900s. How could something like this happen and nobody can give me a straight answer? And I read 10 different things on it. And nobody can give me a straight answer what happened. But the bomb did go off. And there were three brothers who were charged with killing Meyer Lansky and Bugsy Siegel. And they were the ones who lowered the bombs down. And Bugsy Siegel promptly loses his freaking mind that somebody tried to kill him. He hunts down two of the brothers immediately and murders them. There's a third brother out there, and they can't seem to get to him. They're having a hard time getting to him. So Bugsy checks himself into a hospital saying he's injured, then sneaks out of the hospital, puts on a cop's uniform, goes and knocks on the guy's door in the middle of the night. The guy looks out, sees it's a cop, opens the door. Bugsy Siegel smokes him with an alibi saying, hey, man, I was in the hospital. How about that? Now, obviously, you can't just go around murdering as many people as Bugsy Siegel murdered without a lot of people wanting to murder you back. That's kind of how that life turns out. But Meyer Lansky, Charles Lucky Luciano, realize Bugsy Siegel's good for making money. He's good for a lot of things. And they realize there's this place called Los Angeles. Now, you and I know Los Angeles. And Los Angeles was getting very, very, very big back then. But it wasn't near as big as it is today. It was getting big. And they started to get an inkling, uh, not only is this place huge, There's virtually no organized crime out there. There was one dude running the organized crime. His name was Jack Dragna, and everybody knew he was just ripe for the picking. So they wanted Bugsy out of New York before he got killed. They put him on a plane, sent him to L.A. to take over. And essentially, as the story goes, he walks into Jack Dragna's office and says, congratulations on being number two. I'm running things around here now. And Bugsy Siegel's reputation as such was, oh, yes, sir, Mr. Siegel, sounds good. <laughs> you know, I've always wanted to be number two, actually. That's, that's really what I wanted. I'm glad you're here. And he begins to take over. Now, something you need to remember, he got into this life because he wanted to be rich, because he didn't want to be poor. He wanted glamour. And he... <laughs> falls in with all of the movie stars. I don't know how to describe this for you in a way that will hit home. So here's the best thing I'll do. Picture this. A criminal. Somebody, everybody knows is a criminal. El Chapo. Picture El Chapo. Now, obviously, I'd want it to be an American criminal, but there aren't really many famous ones of those now. So El Chapo. Everybody knows. El Chapo moves to Los Angeles where he regularly, not now and then, regularly attends parties with Meryl Streep, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jack Nicholson, and every other major actor and actress in Hollywood, and in fact also dates the actresses publicly. 
Hang on, it actually gets wilder. Boomer Naturals. Don't you put enough man-made chemicals in your body? Uh, Look, I know I do. Too much. I'm trying to reduce that as I get older. The truth is we need more natural products out there. And when you go to Boomer Naturals, you're going to see a lot more than just face masks. Now, granted, they have face masks. They have good ones. They have face masks for adults and kid sizes as well. That's important. But they have other products too. The truth is you need certain items to improve your quality of life, and they should be natural items. And that's why Boomer Naturals obviously is called that. They're focused mainly on baby boomers, and they're focused on natural products. I cannot speak highly enough about this company. Go to BoomerNaturals.com. Use the code JESSE20 at checkout. Get you 20% off every time you shop on everything you buy. BoomerNaturals.com. He starts partying with all the actors and actresses in Hollywood who know he's a gangster. He's famous for it, but they think it's cool. Apparently, he was extremely charming. If you you can look up pictures of the guy, he really was pretty much the best looking human being ever to walk the planet to, which didn't hurt. Uh, the women just died for him. And plus, he's the bad boy. And let's be honest. You know you love the bad boy. There are two types of women on this earth. Those who love the bad boy and those who lie about loving the bad boy. Y'all do. I don't know what that is. Something biological. Who knows? But they loved him. And they loved him in really, really, really amazing ways. And he falls in with this woman named Virginia Hill. Now, she's going to be instrumental to the story. So really quickly, here's who Virginia Hill was. She grew up poor in Alabama, decided she didn't want to be poor, drop dead gorgeous, starts heading to Chicago where she is a courier for the mob. She runs money and, they say, drugs for the mafia. Now, if the mafia trusts you with their money, it's a big, big, big deal. And she apparently never stole a dime. She also was apparently the village bicycle. There's a famous story about her dating half of the organized crime world and a very specific story about her sitting around a table with several mob mob members and making their evening better. All of them. She was very popular in that world. They would throw money at her. She was totally nuts. Apparently a huge, huge, huge temper. She finally meets Bugsy Siegel and they fall in with each other. And apparently they had this insane relationship where they both had bad tempers. 
and they would have these huge fights and trash a hotel room and then make up and then have huge fights. And it was just that kind of thing. And she understood him and he understood her. Now, Bugsy is a big shot in organized crime at this time. When you reach the level that he's at, you're not actually pulling the trigger anymore when you want somebody killed, when somebody has to die. You send someone else to do that. You don't take those chances unless you're freaking Bugsy Siegel and you're out of your mind. Some guy decides he's going to roll over on the mob. He's a killer for the mob. Bugsy finds out where he is because he comes out to L.A. to hide out. Bugsy takes off to go get the guy with two other accomplices. They find him, shoot him dead. Of course, one of other one of the accomplices with Bugsy promptly rolls over and says, Bugsy, help me commit this murder. That's a big problem for Bugsy Siegel, who gets thrown in jail where he has catered meals and women come visit him daily. He also is allowed out of the jail for dental appointments, which apparently he has all the time. I'm not making that up. So it was another one of those deals where the prisoners, the prison guards, everybody was paid off. And this witness in the trial is going to be a big problem, except here's the thing. The witness in the trial ends up falling out of a hotel window. Whoops. Bugsy's fine. Bugsy gets let out. Bugsy eventually gets in with this Hollywood big shot who ran the Hollywood reporter. And this Hollywood big shot was a huge gambler. And the Hollywood big shot has an idea for the middle of the desert for this place called Las Vegas. And his idea was simply this. They have legalized gambling in Vegas. Vegas was a town of 12,000 people at this point in time. It was a dump. There was nothing there. It was dirt roads. I'm not making that up. It was dirt roads. And this actor, well, this guy who ran The Hollywood Reporter, says to Bugsy, what we need is a nice place for people to gamble because the, the current gambling institutions in Las Vegas were still old Western saloons. I'm not exaggerating. Bugsy says, oh, yeah, I'm all in. Bugsy goes back, approaches Meyer Lansky and Charles Lucky Luciano and says, hey, I need money, a lot of it. I need a million bucks, and we are going to build a big casino with restaurants and stores, and there's going to be entertainment venue for, you know, singers. And we're going to make a boatload of money. And there's obviously going to be great hotel rooms and such. Everything you would know a casino to be. But understand that this was a relatively new concept for back then. That's not what casinos were. The guys back east say, you know what? I like the idea. They start handing Bugsy a bunch of money. Well, quickly, the guy who came up with the idea, who was originally supposed to be a, a junior partner, They sat down with him and said, guess what? You're not a junior partner anymore or you're going to die. And he took off and they never saw him again. This is now Bugsy's and Bugsy's alone. And he has no idea how to run a construction project 
Apparently, at one point in time, the construction workers all knew they could rip him off because he had no clue how to do books. He had no clue how to run it. One guy sold him a bunch of stuff, broke in that night, stole it, and then sold it to him a second time. Not making that up. And so the costs start to come in, and there are a lot more than a million dollars. And so Bugsy is now having to go back time and time and time again to the men who run the mob in America and say, I need money, I need money, I need money. They're getting frustrated. They're getting angry. It's taking too long. It's taking too much money. Soon, you remember I said he needed a million Soon he's $6 million into it. I want you to do the math on what $6 million is at this time. It's a lot. A lot. And they're starting to get suspicious. You see, Bugsy's not only borrowing money from... His friend Meyer Lansky from Charles Luciano, he's borrowing money from all the mob bosses in America, and and especially the mob bosses in Chicago. And the mob bosses in Chicago have always been a little bit of a different beast than the rest of the country. Frankly, a lot more violent than the rest of the country, a lot more suspicious than the rest of the country. And they get to thinking, you know... The guy's been ripping people off his whole life, and God love him for that. That's what they loved about him. Are we sure that all this money we're giving him is going to the hotels? Are we sure about that? So they start looking into it. How much is it, Chris? Chris looked it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tons of money. So... They start looking into it, and here's what they're finding out. Virginia Hill, you know, his mob girlfriend, Virginia Hill, is taking a lot of trips to Switzerland. And Virginia Hill is not a downhill skier. And now they really start to wonder. And finally, Somebody calls for a meeting with Virginia Hill, who doesn't suspect anything of it. Okay, she's a mobbed-up woman. She knows the game. She goes to a meeting. Only this is not the kind of meeting she wants. They yank her into a very dark basement, and they tie her up, and they present her with a big old jug of acid that will melt her skin, and they tell her they're going to pour it on her face if she doesn't fess up right now what's happening with their money and Bugsy Siegel, at which point in time she spills the beans and says, oh, yeah, he's stealing from me. Now that alone right there for virtually anybody in America is instant death sentence if you're in organized crime, especially at this time. However, remember, you're Bugsy Siegel. You are lifelong buddies with Meyer Lansky. Meyer Lansky Saves his life. Says, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up. Yeah, we're going to address the stealing. He's going to stop the stealing. Remember how much money we're going to make when this thing's done. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Meyer goes to Bugsy. Says, hey, okay, we're done with this now. Let's play it straight. Good to go. Okay, so they jump back in. They're supposed to have a grand opening. The grand opening 
does not go very well. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. You can trust experience. You really, really, really can trust experience. And that's why I trust Delta Rescue. The truth is this. Delta Rescue has been doing what they do longer than other people have been doing it. So you know they know what they're doing. And why does that matter? Well, when you have an organization like Delta Rescue, And what they do is they save abandoned animals. They have the largest no-kill and care-for-life animal sanctuary in the world. And all that's wonderful, right? You, You want those things. But how do you know that when you get involved, it's going to go where you want it to go? Well, because that's what Delta Rescue has been doing for 40 years. This is not their first rodeo. They know how to make sure these animals are taken care of. They know how to make sure when you get involved that it goes where you want it to go because they've done it. They know how to navigate that world. DeltaRescue.org slash Jesse. That's DeltaRescue.org slash Jesse. Bugsy. Has a grand opening of the Flamingo Hotel. You've heard of the Flamingo Hotel in Las Vegas. Do you know why it's called the Flamingo? I actually don't even know if it's there anymore. It was there forever. Because that was one of his nicknames for Virginia Hill, who had long legs. So he called it the Flamingo. He has a grand opening of the Flamingo, and it's an absolute disaster. The hotel's not even finished. And apparently they had the storm of the century, so none of the famous actors and and musical acts could come. It's a complete disaster. And now the mob is really, 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 really mad. And then, well, then his fate got sealed. They get word. Again, Bugsy is still stealing. Apparently he stole $300,000. Now, they have a gigantic mob meeting. This is a famous meeting. So much happened at this meeting. I'm not going to go into it all right now. In Havana, Cuba. Why would they meet in Havana, Cuba? Because at this point, Charles Lucky Luciano had been deported from the United States of America, and all the mob bosses had to meet down in Havana. Bugsy Siegel, and imagine this. He was one of the agenda items. His death. How about that? Everybody else meets to decide, well, what's our advertising budget for this year? I think we could trim overhead this year. Mob meets in, all right, who's going to kill Bugsy? We're all on board with this, right? And obviously they come to an agreement. He's going to die. Now, Bugsy Siegel was at least smart enough to realize, I've made a lot of very, very, very dangerous men angry. I'm going to keep bodyguards around me in Las Vegas. But he felt like he was safe in Los Angeles where Virginia Hill had a mansion. 
Bugsy Siegel takes off from Los Angeles or from Las Vegas to get back to Los Angeles. He gets there, and Virginia Hill is mysteriously out of town. Bugsy has keys to her place, which I believe he bought her, if memory serves me. Goes out to a nice dinner with some friends. They go back to Virginia Hill's house. Two of his friends take off upstairs, allegedly. Another one of his friends sits on the opposite side of the sofa. This is 10, 11 o'clock at night. Bugsy Siegel sits down on the sofa, at which point in time somebody outside of the home, allegedly, points an M1 at the back of Bugsy's head from about 12 to 15 feet away, fires two bullets into his head. One of them came out his left eyeball, which they say, rumor has it, flew 15 feet across the room, shot twice in the head, Shot twice more in the torso on his way down, dead instantly. If you have a strong stomach and the children are not present, you're welcome to Google image search the picture of Bugsy Siegel laying there without an eyeball. It's easy for anybody to see. Now, the reason I dropped a couple allegedly's in there at the end is this. One, this is still, believe it or not, in the Beverly Hills Police Department, this is still an open case. Still. They've never solved it. They obviously at this point in time never will solve it, I assume. I say allegedly because there are many, many theories that go on around this thing, as there often are with high-profile murders that don't get solved. So who knows? Maybe the original narrative, the one I just told you, is real. Maybe it's not. There are crime scene experts who swear the angle of the shot, the way it hit Bugsy and came out, is virtually impossible that that shot was taken from immediately behind Bugsy Siegel as he sat on that sofa. They swear one of the people in that home with him fired a bullet in the back of his head from right behind him. I don't know. We're never going to know. Bugsy Siegel is dead. That's what we do know. And here's the thing. Here's the thing to remember. Hang on. Something that's going to sound depressing but shouldn't sound depressing for all of us. Something for all of us to remember, and we're about to get to all your Ask Dr. Jesse questions. We'll hit this Minneapolis stuff. We'll hit up some things like that. But here's something you need to remember. For good and bad, trees do not grow to the sky. The Tower of Babel never did make it to heaven. There's always a cap 
on your success and where people fail massively and crash back to earth in bad, bad ways, sometimes missing their eyeballs is when they don't realize that their tree does not grow to the sky. I'm not telling you to just be happy with your lot in life, but I am telling you as a country, as individuals, you, me, when you get to a place of success and relative contentment, contentment, stop, stop, because if you keep pushing, you always crash. It happens every single time. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. All right, let's address this Minneapolis situation because apparently... Uh, they are still burning down an American city. Here's the deal. I have rarely seen a news story, any news story in the United States of America that has so united everyone. Quite literally, everyone. As soon as that video came out, it was so horrific. The video was so long, so you didn't need context. You got all the context from the video. It was so bad. Every single person, right, left, center, whatever, old, young, didn't matter. Everybody came out and condemned it right away. Now ask yourself this. If there's a news story in America, if there's a big story, if there's a tragedy, that everybody agrees on. Why so much anger? Why is there looting? Why is there rioting? Why are people screaming? Why are people going to Minnesota? Why is CNN, MSNBC, everybody's setting up shop there? This is racism, racism, burn down everything, burn down this, and burn these people have a right to be. Do you want to know why? Because there are a lot of entities in this country highly, highly invested in you being angry. That's why. They feed off of it. It's great for news coverage. This is like the Super Bowl for these cable news networks. Woohoo! I'm I'm out here in front of the auto zone. It's burning down. Oh man, somebody just threw a rock at me. I'm really scared. This is really dangerous. That's what he says when the camera's on. As soon as the camera's off, he's like, oh man, please tell me you got that guy in the background who got tear gassed. You got that, right? Oh, nice. That'll lead the news. Woohoo! Or you have these 
air fingers, quote, civil rights leaders now? This has been where black people are being hunted. This is racism. We've got to stop this racism. Nobody's on our side. What? Everybody's on your side. <laughs> Literally everybody. Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. Did you see a single person in the United States of America excuse that shooting? One. I haven't seen one. I've never seen a story in my lifetime that universally united everybody so much. Yet here we are. It here's why. Because they know they can lead us around. And they know when you're mad, it's great for TV. And here's something else, people. It's great for people's pocketbooks. Chris, look up the net worth of Al Sharpton. Let me ask you something very frank. I don't imagine I have a ton of Al Sharpton fans, but maybe I do. Let me ask you this. What is Al Sharpton's skill set? Guy's a millionaire, easily. What's Al Sharpton's skill set? I'm I'm all ears. What's Al Sharpton good at? Uh, you've seen his TV show, or at least you've seen highlights of it. It's a disaster. The guy can't. The guy's not good at that. What? What does Al Sharpton do to be a millionaire? Um. Al Sharpton gets off on things like this. This is his. This is his Super Bowl, baby. Woohoo! They're burning down a city. Yes. I'm so happy about it. Remember that, okay? I'm not going to dwell on this a lot today. Every news story's about it. It's ugly. It really, really actually sucks to have this happening in an American city. It sucks. It's terrible. I'm not a huge Minneapolis fan anymore because of the Vikings. I'm kidding. I actually love Minneapolis. Like I said, I was there 20 years ago. It's a great town. Great city. Has great potential. Obviously, it's poorly run by this point in time. Their mayor is quite clearly an idiot. I guess they let them flat out take over a police precinct last night. It's really ugly, but Minneapolis has all the potential in the world to be an awesome American city. And it's burnt to the ground. So it sucks. But remember, everybody agreed this was bad. Everybody. To a man. So why the riots? Why the rage? Because they want you mad. That's why. Now, allow us to begin. Because it's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Allow us to begin with your Ask Dr. Jesse questions. First one, this one came in email. And you can email me anytime you want. I mean, you can email me now. You can call in. 877-377-4373. 877-377-4373. You're welcome to call. We'll take all the calls today. Talk about whatever you want, and you can email me, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. That's jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Remember, I'm probably not going to email you back. I get too many emails, but I read every single one of them. Everyone. First one here, this is from Brett. Where does biscuits and gravy fall on the breakfast food pyramid? The reason... I chose this question first. It's because, Chris, it makes me uneasy. I feel like I'm on, 
I feel like I'm on unsure footing right now. Because the truth is this. I like biscuits and gravy. I feel like I don't like it as much as other people like it. I, I have ordered it. I will order it before. So when I say I like it, I mean, I'll pay money for it. In my opinion, the biscuits and gravy alone is not enough. I need an over easy egg or two on top of there. What, Chris? Chris asks another valuable question, and I'm about to go off on this. He asks, do I put sausage in my gravy? Let me ask you this, Chris. At your home, do you have a typewriter or a computer? Answer the question, Chris. You have a computer, don't you? Why is non-sausage gravy still a thing? Do you put sausage in your gravy? The question itself was so stupid, I shouldn't have even answered it. Why are you eating non-sausage gravy? You know what nobody in the history of mankind has ever said? They've never bitten into something with sausage gravy on it, never once, and said, man, this would be a lot better without the sausage. It's never happened. So why is non-sausage gravy still a thing? Someone explain it to me. I have no idea. Yes, I eat it with sausage gravy. I wouldn't even consider it without sausage gravy. In my opinion, it has to have an over-easy egg or two on it. It has to have some hot sauce on it. And now we're talking. Some hot sauce, over-easy egg or two. Now we're talking. And yes, it has to be sausage. I am not. Now, this is where I differ with people. Chris asked me before the show is another really stupid question about these candy peanuts. The big, what are they called, Chris? Circus peanuts? He asked me about circus peanuts, which I forgot what they were. They're those big fat candy things. Apparently, one of them has more sugar in it or as much sugar in it as a can of soda, which is amazing when you consider how much people probably eat those. And he asked if I was a fan. And this is going to sound bad. Because I like dessert as much as the next man. Creme brulee, key lime pie, Reese's peanut butter cups, sour patch kids. I'll, I'll eat that stuff two, three times a week. But I'm not a huge sweet guy. Not a huge sweet guy. I mean, I'm a very sweet guy, Chris, but that's, I'm just saying I'm more of a salt man. There's nothing wrong with being a salt man. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. Your phone is gross. You have a germ-filled phone. And it's not your fault. My phone's gross, too. There's very little we can do about it. The truth is, we touch our phones all day. Then we grab a doorknob, then we touch our phones. And And we touch a table, and we touch our phones. Then we set our phone down on the table or a desk. When's the last time that table your phone is currently sitting on was cleaned? Oh, if it's in your home, you might know. That one at work. I'll be honest. Mine's sitting beside me on a table right now. I don't know when that thing was cleaned. Neither do you. Go get a clean phone pro. It uses nine powerful UVC lights to disinfect 99.9% of the bacteria off your phone. It also works on keys, 
wallets, credit cards, jewelry, earbuds. Go to AmericaFirstShop.com, and that's where you're going to get your Clean Phone Pro. AmericaFirstShop.com. Don't forget to use the code JESSE at checkout. Get you free two-day FedEx shipping. Jesse Kelly. I'm going to say something controversial. I'm not trying to be a shock jock here. I'm not a huge sweet guy when it comes to breakfast. If I had to have, I'm serious. If I had to do the breakfast pyramid, look, it, it, uh, look, I will not be painted as being anti-pancake or something like that. I won't. I love a good pancake. I love a good waffle. Give me the butter and syrup. It's fine. It's barely in my top five. Probably not even in my top five. I would much, if you gave me a plate full of eggs and bacon and toast with butter on it, I would take that over a waffle with syrup on it any day of the week and twice on Sunday. What, Chris? Chris asked about French toast, and I got to be frank with you, man. Unless there's something special about it, like I had this Captain Crunch French toast once where they took Captain Crunch. Shut up. You've never had it. And they mashed it up into, like, dust, and they coated the French toast in it. Now, that was special. French toast is way, way underneath waffles and pancakes for me. Way underneath. And if you think otherwise, you're stupid. That's where I'm at. All right, back to your questions. Oh, we have a stack of stories I have to get to this week, too. Dang it. That's going to take a long time. Back to this question. Dr. Jesse, do you think the riots will help or hurt the Republicans in November? (sighs) Oh, I think it helps Republicans. I do. Um, This is part of the reason. I think it's part of the reason Republicans won North Carolina in the Trump election. And I'll be honest, it weirds me out. It weirds me out how the Black Lives Matter protesters who are obviously all over this, it weirds me out how they could be that stupid. It almost, honestly, I've had thoughts before, even though it's not true, I've had thoughts that they're actually working for our side because it helps us out so much. Do you remember they started riots in Charlotte, North Carolina leading up to the election? Public ones. Um, That's a swing state. You're burning down a beautiful city in a swing state right before the election. It made no sense whatsoever. This kind of stuff hurts the left because it looks like you're jumping on an opportunity. It looks like you're making somebody's death an opportunity. That's a problem. I mean, I try not to look at all these things because I think that's a little sick. I try not to look at all these things, how it means for what it means for an election. But I can't see in any way how this aids the left. It looks terrible. Everyone looks terrible. The cops look terrible. It just looks bad. Minnesota looks terrible. Minneapolis looks terrible. It's all really, really, really bad. <laughs> really bad. And think about this. We're not even talking about the murder of the of the guy and not being charged. Isn't that the major story? The cops killed the guy 
And I don't even think they were fired until the outrage was ginned up. I may be wrong about that, but they dang sure weren't charged because they're still not charged. And in fact, I believe it was the governor, if not the mayor of Minnesota, stood up and said yesterday they're not going to be charged, which only poured more fuel on the outrage fire. Uh, Buddy, we can all see the video. It's bad. Very, very bad. Now, allow me to continue with one of the most important stories of the day. Smut and Eggs restaurant faces uphill battle after hosting stripper event illegally. This is according to Madison.com. After illegally having strippers at its establishment, Bennett's Meadowwood Country Club, a bar and grill on the southwest side, known for its porn-in-the-morn breakfasts on the weekends, is facing an uncertain future. I don't know what porn-in-the-morn breakfast is, Chris, but I promise you I'm not going to dig into this article any further and figure this out. Allow me to just say this. I'm not trying to be your pastor here, nor would I be qualified to be so, but just from a human perspective, do you find yourself often hungry if you're surrounded by strippers in pornography? Chris, am I crazy about that? I mean, you're not you're certainly not the moral type, but is that is that is that appetizing? Isn't that gross? I'm not judging you ladies who are quote unquote putting your way through college. Believe me, I'm not. I'm just saying that's not I I don't want a burger in that situation. It's people are very very strange beasts, man. They're very very strange beasts. I long ago, long ago should have given up any effort in, you know, trying to figure them out. All right, ask Dr. Jesse. Why do good officers stand by and do nothing or even be soft accomplices while bad officers do what they do? It's human nature. I'm not defending the officers, but you can look at the officers who stood by while that guy got killed in a very similar way. You can look at the people at these riots, at the looting, who aren't necessarily looting, because there's a tons of tons of people out there just trying to get cell phone camera video and stuff like that. They're watching people burn things down, loot things, hurt people, and they're just sitting there recording it. You remember what we talked about at the very beginning of the show with the immigrant situation in New York in the early 1900s and how everybody was divided and how tribalism came into play because that's man's nature. It is your nature to defend your own. It is also your nature and my nature to go along with what everyone else is doing and not rock the boat. They should rock the boat. You're telling me none of the none of those cops that were there had the guts to go over and be like, ah, oh, we got him, dude. He's down. He's in cuffs. Go ahead and get off him. Let's just throw him in the back of the squad car. We're good. Nobody felt like that was okay, but it's also human nature. And cops aren't above that. Cops are human like everyone else is human. Don't you go along? Sometimes. I will tell you, do you remember when all this lockdown stuff started? 
When uh, at the very beginning, I'm not even talking about after a few weeks or a month, at the very beginning of it, when everybody stood up, Dr. Fauci stood up, Trump stood up, mayors stood up, governors, every single cable news pundit, every corporation stood up and said, social distancing, lock down the country, social distancing, lock down the country, social distancing, lock down the country. And do you remember what I did during that time? Do you remember what I said during that time? I said, this is stupid. This is wrong. I can't stand it. We are destroying our economy. What are you thinking? Stop this. Stop this now. We are destroying the country. These lockdowns are insane. And do you have any idea what it was like for me during that time? Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't care. It's not doing one of these woe is me. Oh, you can't imagine the heat I caught stories. I mean, I did, but I didn't care about it. I'm not looking back of, oh, everybody was a big meanie McMean face for me. What I'm trying to get across here is that all I got all day long was blowback from my friends. My phone was blowing up. Friends from family members. Dude, you were wrong. Do you want people to die? Dude, you are wrong. And people instinctively, understandably so, because you're not a sociopath like me, people instinctively don't want that. So much of how we live our lives is not to do something or stand for something. So much of how we live our lives is to avoid pain, to avoid the heat. And that's why cops go along. You don't want to catch crap from everyone else. Hang on. You need a good night's rest. I need a good night's rest. And so often it eludes us, doesn't it? And it sucks. It's a terrible feeling, but I know what it's like. You you lay down, you're tired, you need that sleep, and what happens? Your mind starts going. And it starts going a mile a minute and you can't you can't seem to turn it off. And then because your mind's been going and you're still not asleep, now you're worried about not falling asleep and that only makes your mind go more. And then you get really worried and really worried. And soon you're looking over at the clock and it's 1.30 in the morning and you're thinking to yourself, oh, man, tomorrow is going to be yet another wasted day because I'm a zombie. Go get an ebb sleep. It is worth it. Get an ebb sleep. It's a wearable device that targets those thoughts that are keeping you awake at night. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryeb.com slash jesse. Don't forget to use the promo code jesse at checkout. Get you 25 bucks off. All right, we must continue with these high, high-level conversations, Chris. These are we deal with the big, the big issues on this show, the big issues. Chris asked me a funny question last week, and it was funny because it was actually an intelligent question, and it was about friends and friend groups and things like that. And 
measuring your success? Because we talked about Bugsy Siegel and, you know, trees don't grow to the sky and being happy once you get some contentment and things like that. And it's funny how things do work. I see people who grow up a certain way. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be, you know, make a subtle reference to anybody. I mean, like me, I'm talking about myself. I grow up a certain way. I grow up around certain people. And while you grow, you are always comparing yourself to the people around you. And this is in reference to uh, these billionaires are having some major competition to see who's the richest. It's, it's this inside joke about them. And people have asked me before, why do they keep trying to get richer? Why, why even care? Why not just retire on a yacht? And I'm about to explain it to you. When you're in the fifth grade, when I'm in the fifth grade, you aren't comparing yourself to an adult. You're not comparing yourself to fifth graders in Japan. You're comparing yourself to the fifth graders around you, aren't you? You're constantly, for better or worse, comparing yourself to the fifth graders around you. When you're in high school, you do it. When you're in college, you do it. Once you enter the professional world, that's what you do. You don't keep competing with the people you've passed. You don't keep comparing yourself to the people you've passed. So to you and I, who are very much not billionaires, and we look at somebody, uh, Mike Bloomberg, still trying to make more billions. And not that I have anything against him making more billions. Go do your thing. But it always has seemed weird to me. Why is Mike Bloomberg in politics? What are you running for president for? What are you spending money on? Why are you not sailing around the Mediterranean with the missus on a gigantic yacht having somebody massage your feet 24 hours a day? In all seriousness, what would you do with unlimited money? Whatever you want. Why are you not off doing that? Because here's the reason. It's human nature. But you are constantly competing with other people around you. Do you know the truth about something here? It bothers Donald Trump and people like him. It's not about Trump that he's not richer, which sounds absurd, right? Trump has a ton of money. Trump has a, I mean, Trump has certainly nothing to be ashamed of, Jack. You're a billionaire and now president of the United States of America. Your list of accomplishments is extensive. By all accounts, good, accomplished kids. Life is good, isn't it? Life's very good. But Trump isn't even close to being the richest guy in New York City. And I guarantee it bothers him. These guys are always competing the same way you are against the people around them. Always. Remember that about human nature. They're always doing it. All right, back to your questions. Dr. Jesse, are you glad you didn't? Oh, gosh. Are you glad you didn't end up in call in uh, Congress? <sighs> yes and no. Here's what I mean by that. Here's what I mean by that. Because I don't mean to be wishy-washy. Now, as I told you the other day, you could write me a check for 50 G's right now and pay me to leave everything I'm doing and go to Congress, and I wouldn't even hesitate. I would turn you down flat. 
nope, I am doing what I love. I'm not asking people for money. I'm not having to, you know, shake hands, kiss babies. As you may have noticed, I don't have to hold back at all on what I believe. And I was not exactly known as a person who held back on what I believed when I ran for office. Got me in all kinds of trouble several times. But here's the deal. I am all about the experience of life. I'm all about dying with some stories. I know that sounds morbid, but almost universally, when I am presented with an opportunity to do something, large or small, almost universally, I think about this. I think about it as in when I'm on my deathbed, and I, am I going to wish I tried it? Am I going to wish I did it? People ask me all the time why I've done so many insane things, not recommending it in my 38 years, why I've taken so many big, big chances. That's why I operate my life that way. Maybe that came from my parents partially. Maybe it came from the Marine Corps partially. You know, I don't know where that came from, you know, combat. I don't know, but that's how I look at everything. Every, I want to know what it's like. That's why I've lived everywhere. I, I was born in Ohio. I moved to Montana when I was 10. Joined the Marine Corps, off to California. We went to Okinawa. We went to Tokyo. We went to Thailand. Got back. Went to combat over there. Kuwait, Iraq. Came back. Moved to Tucson. Moved from Tucson to D.C. Moved from D.C. to Dallas, Texas. Moved from Dallas, Texas to the Houston area where I live now. I want to know. I want to know what it's like to live in Tucson, Arizona. I want to know what it's like to live in Houston. I like experiencing, you know, 30 different careers as I have. I find it interesting. And so it's not that I wish I was a politician. It's not that I wish in any way I was in Congress at all. Believe me, at all. But here's what I do wish. I wish... I would have known what it's like to be a congressman, even if it's for a month. And then I could get caught up in some massive pay-for-play corruption scandal and get thrown out, and that's fine with me. That's totally fine with me. But I just wanted a month of that. Does that sound weird, Chris? I wanted to know what it was like to be a congressman. I wanted to get sworn in. It's in, And let me clarify, this is not some life regret. I honestly, until you ask the question of me, buddy, I never give it a second thought. It never crosses my mind. I never, it's not some, oh, I can't believe that didn't work out. I don't do that. I don't do that. I just, I wanted to know what it was like for a month. That's all. Chris, Chris nailed a big part of it. He said, I wanted the inside information like everybody does. And I'll be honest, that's a big part. I love with a capital L. I love my, you want to know what my favorite part of this job is? Besides when you email me and tell me it made you laugh, you enjoyed it. Some guy wrote me yesterday and said his wife snorted out loud listening. That makes me laugh. I like, I love that. I want to make your day a little better. Honestly, that's my job. My job is not to change the world. I'm trying to make your day a little better. I love almost as much as that. I love access to information. I love that. I know people now, media people, politicians, and I love that they tell me things. And 
I will always pass that information along to you unless I'm specifically barred from doing so. Because I know you love it too. I don't hold back on any any inside information because I want to have it and I don't want you to have it. I don't hold back on squat unless, I, unless I'm told to. Now, most of the time I'll ask if I'm told something. I'll be, hey, can I tell people that? And oftentimes the answer is flatly no. Sometimes the answer is yes, but you need to change the names and things like that. So I'll just give it to you as vague as I can. But I love the access to information. But on the congressional note thing here, Chris, you know what's funny? You think being a congressman gets you the access to information? I'm not so sure that it does. And the reason I say that is all the congressmen I know now, I know as much about things as they know. I, I do. I know as much about things as they know. And you guys remember how that congressional run started, right? Do you remember where that came from? Did I ever tell you? Completely out of the blue. Well, I guess I might as well tell you. I joined the Marines. I'm not a political person. The only politics I can even remember from my parents growing up is one time I approached my dad. I think I was in kindergarten and I asked my dad if we were Democrats or Republicans and my dad in that way that my dad did said, we're Republicans. And that was that. (laughs) So there wasn't like, but after that, it's not as if we ever talked about it. We never talked about it. I didn't even have really a political philosophy. That was the extent of it. Hang on. Boomer Naturals has adult-sized face masks and kid-sized face masks. I cannot stand what I'm seeing out there all the time. If you're going to force your child to wear a face mask, maybe you're in a situation where your child has to, maybe you just want to, whatever the case may be, could you please get them a face mask that actually fits them? These face masks look ridiculous. And if you're going to wear one, um, maybe get a comfortable one that allows you to breathe and talk and still gives you 92.2% antibacterial protection, those are the face masks you get at boomernaturals.com. And they don't just have face masks there. They have a lot of other wonderful products that are going to improve your quality of life. Go to boomernaturals.com. That's boomernaturals.com. And check out what they have. And while you're there, don't forget to use the code JESSE20 at checkout. Gets you 20% off. Every single time you shop. Now, I'm not political. I have always been a history freak. I loved that. I get out of the Marine Corps. I go back to work in construction. Right back in the ditch. Now, I eventually worked my way up, and I'm, 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 I'm now pushing papers around most of the time. I'm that, I'm that construction dude. And I have to – we take this job in Ajo, Arizona. You were, it's quick, Chris. Grow up. Ajo, not A-ho. Ajo, it's A-J-O. Ajo, Arizona. 
You can oh you you're welcome to look it up. I don't even know if you'll be able to find it on a map. And it is it's rough. Ajo, Arizona is two hours from where I'm living in Tucson. And I don't have that much to do on the road. Remember this. I like music more now than I did, but I don't have this passionate love of music, or at least didn't when I was younger, because my dad never even let us listen to music. (laughs) He's the best. We would take these long trips. My dad would take me four or five hours away in Montana on a hunting trip in total silence. If I tried to turn on the radio, we'd turn it off. I don't want to listen to that. (laughs) He's the best. So take this job and I have to commute. Now, I'm not going two hours to and fro every day. I get an apartment in Ajo. And it is quite possibly the worst place I've ever been in my entire life. And this apartment was so bad. Tiny, roaches. I think the apartment, I may have this wrong. I'm not making this up. I think the apartment was $350 a month total. It was brutal. Brutally hot. Ajo doesn't even, it had like two restaurants and one of them was a pizza hut. It's just, it was one of the worst experiences ever. But I have this long commute. I'm commuting to and fro. So I'm commuting and I don't have much to do. And I just start to pay more attention to the presidential election that's coming up because Barack Obama is getting ready to get elected. And even though I'm not hugely political, I'm starting. I, I care who the president is. I want to know the direction the country's going. I don't want high taxes, so on and so forth. I start paying attention, and here's the deal. I start listening to more and more radio. I start listening. I start doing more and more reading, and even though I'm still not majorly political, I'm flat out mortified by. Barack Obama, by his background, by what that guy believed about America. And now I'm starting to read because I'm stuck in Ajo. I not only have two hours to and fro listening to the radio, flipping through the different, you know, conservative shows. I'm stuck there and I'm reading and I'm reading books about free markets and I'm reading books about politics and I'm starting to read these books and now I'm starting to get obsessed and remember I have impulse control problems. I do not regulate my obsessions well at all. I wake up one day, I think, oh, I might join the military. By the end of that day, I am signed up to be in the Marine Corps infantry. I wake up one day and decide, screw this, screw everyone, I'm running for office, By close of business that day, or I think it was maybe the next day, I was running for United States Congress. I know. I know. I'll never forget the first time I called my sister when I made the call. She's one of those brutally honest people. She says, what? You're not even qualified. (laughs) A very supportive family. It's a very supportive. And I show up. I don't even know how to run for office. I've never been involved in politics at all. In any way, I show up at some local 
GOP precinct committee meeting, and I just start tapping people on the shoulder and tell them, hey, I'm Jesse Kelly. I'm going to run for office for something. And eventually I get pointed to the right guy, you know, the guy who helps people run. And he's, oh, all right, I, I guess you could run for Congress. Nobody's running against Gabrielle Giffords, and it's me. So I'm all, yeah, let's do that. We'll just do that. <laughs> I just go all in, and that's how it all began. I wish I could tell you it was more advanced than that. Almost won the freaking thing. Man, that does not speak highly of the electorate. All right, we're going to get back to your Ask Dr. Jesse questions. Hang on a sec. I'm being accused, Chris, you're not going to believe this. I'm being accused of being insensitive. I know. I found it shocking, too. I don't know where these people get off. I was asked a question, and this was the question the man asked me. Dr. Jesse, my eight-year-old is terrified of getting his ears wet because of ear problems he's had in the past. The doctor said those issues are over and he shouldn't have a problem. How do I help him get over his fear? My solution apparently was not what a bunch of people wanted to hear. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. I mean, there's nothing funny about what's happening in Minneapolis. Unless you have a sick sense of humor and you realize Minnesota... Elected Jesse the Body Ventura. <laughs> In all seriousness, they say 170 businesses have been looted. The place is burnt down and their mayor keeps going on TV and making everything worse. Everyone's making everything worse. You know what's really weird? I realize we all chase the shiny object right now. 
Um, we have like 60 million Americans unemployed. We have 100,000 businesses gone forever. It's starting to happen here, and this, 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 is, this is driving me nuts because I'm sure it's happening where you live too. It's starting to happen here in the Houston area. These long-running restaurants are shutting down permanently, and now I'm seeing these news reports every night. And you know what they're starting to say? Ah, this is uh, shockingly so-and-so's restaurant is closing. Oh, I can't believe this is happening. How do you think business works? Who told you that this was coming the entire time? Businesses cannot drop their revenues to zero or near zero and survive. You cannot order a business just to close up shop for a month or two and expect them to survive. A business runs on a profit. Businesses do not make that much profit, most small businesses anyway. A restaurant makes 5 to 10% a month. So that restaurant spends 100 a month. I'm making up that number. And that restaurant, in turn, hopes to bring in 105 a month. If you order that restaurant's closure, maybe they trim a bunch of costs. But essentially, you've killed them. And remember, when restaurants were open, they still open And they have to be at capacity or near capacity at least a couple nights a week. What I'm telling you is that local restaurant you love can have a slow lunch on Tuesday occasionally, but they have so many people. They know we have to get so many people through here for lunch on Tuesday and then dinner on Wednesday. We have to work out this. We have to work out that. But they have to be packed to the brim on Friday and Saturday nights. Or they go under. Now imagine what happens to that restaurant if they just are forced to close. Yeah, it's bad. Or if they're first forced to only do takeout. I've heard that I've heard people try to make this argument a million times. Well, they were doing takeout, buddy. Buddy. That's that's cutting their business by 75%. Even knowing that people are ramping up their takeout orders, they can't survive that way. Why are you shocked? Why are you shocked? You shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. Chris, before I get to the Ask Dr. Jesse questions, Indonesian minister's misogynistic comment compares coronavirus to having a wife. <laughs> This is from abc.net.ad.au. I'm guessing that's Australian, Chris, because that's a lot. Indonesia has come under fire for its delayed response to coronavirus. The country has the highest number of COVID-19 deaths in Southeast Asia. Almost 350,000 military officers were deployed to enforce social distancing rules. Yikes. That's not good. Yesterday, this is a quote. Yesterday, I received a meme from the Minister of Maritime Coordination, which said, quote, 
Corona is like your wife. Initially, you try to control it. Then you realize you can't. Then you learn to live with it. (laughs) That's so funny. Why is that a problem? Why do people have to make an outrage about everything these days? We can't have a sense of humor. Shoot, I make more sexist jokes than that on this radio show every single day. And you know what's the most amazing thing, Chris? Is we don't get a bunch of crap for it anymore. People don't even bother yelling at us anymore about the uh, about all the horrible things I say. And let me explain why. As you know, I'm Jesse the Oracle Kelly. But also, I'm Jesse does not apologize to anybody, Kelly. So much of what you see now with this constant state of outrage out there is not people actually outraged. It's people trying to bully you into getting you to give them something. Either give them an apology, which will make them feel powerful, or give them some kind of influence over your life. And when you deny them that, as I have always denied them that, they go away. They eventually go away because they're going to go instead find somebody who they can bully. I'm no fun when it comes to that for them because I'm not going to give you what you want. In fact, the more you tell me that I have to apologize and I can't say that, in fact, only increases the likelihood that I'll repeat myself and probably double down just to make you even angrier. And I've done this so much with all the various, quote, controversies I've gotten myself into that they realize by this point that's probably not worth it. Now, I'm not saying that because, you know, I want to talk about how great I am, even though I certainly do. I'm saying that so everybody in our movement can learn. They feed off of your apology. They feed off of your political correctness. Off of you trying to wishy-washy and all these qualifiers and say all these. Well, I mean, I really don't feel this way, but I kind of feel that way. And I don't feel this way, but I don't get mad. I'm sorry if this offends you. I'm not sorry. I'm not even a little bit sorry. In fact, the fact that you're mad only encourages me to do it more. And you know whose problem that is? Yours. Your problem. My children, my two sons, are not allowed to say the words offended or offensive. They're, not, they're barred from saying the words, I'm offended, I'm offensive. They're, I find that offensive. They're not allowed to have that thin skin. Period. Buck up, buttercup. Life is hard. There's nothing in this world you could say to me, and I do mean nothing, that would offend me. That doesn't mean I don't care about things. It means I don't care about you and your opinion on things. If you're some leftist idiot who thinks you're going to get me to apologize. And I don't know why that's not more common. People really care what folks they don't respect have to say. If I don't respect you, I don't care at all. You could write me in trash everything I care about in this world. You could even write me in trash Red Lobster. And it would not offend me at all. Because I don't care about your opinion if you're some leftist idiot. And I don't know why that's not more common. Now, back to your questions. 
Dr. Jesse, did you watch Tiger King? I understand I'm going to be abnormal in this. Totally get that. I understand virtually all of you watch Tiger King because it's all anybody could talk about for about a month. Was Tiger King this, Tiger King that? Even the wife comes up. She's like, you got to watch it. It's crazy. You got to watch it. It's crazy. I started watching Tiger King. Finally, I relented. I agreed with the old lady. Let's go ahead and watch Tiger King. I get through, I think, one and a half, maybe two episodes. And I bowed out. And I'll explain why in just a second. Feeling a little stocky? Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly DC. Boomer Naturals has a lot of products, and they're natural, as you may have guessed from the name, and that is important. And here's the deal about the face masks they have at Boomer Naturals. One, they're very good ones. Two, I know you might not want one. Believe me, I don't love wearing one. The truth is this, though. To do some of the things I'm going to want to do in the future, I know, I know for a fact somebody's going to make me wear one. When, when football comes back and I try to go a football game, do you think there aren't going to be mask requirements at football games? Really? Do you think your employer is not going to make you wear one all the time or at least in certain situations? That concert, maybe your church, who knows, the place you want to shop, there are going to be mask requirements. Go get a comfortable good one at boomernaturals.com. And don't forget to use the promo code JESSE20 at checkout. Get you 20% off every time you buy. Here is the deal. Just going to shoot you straight here. All right. (laughs) Here's the deal. I don't put ketchup on eggs. What, Chris? I can change the subject if I want. Somebody asked me about putting ketchup on eggs, and I don't put ketchup on eggs. I can't do it. But people swear by putting ketchup on eggs. Swear by it. I cannot do it. I've never been able to do it. But back to Tiger King, I'm in all seriousness. Maybe it's because I'm getting older, although I don't remember at any point in my life I was ever this way. And I'm not judging you if you're opposite. I don't like watching things that make me feel like crap. And when I watch something like Tiger King, it makes me feel like crap. It makes me feel like I'm plumbing the depths of humanity. That's what it feels like. And it's, and it, I don't want to see the cracked out dude. I don't. I don't want to see, I don't want to see some dude with a mullet who's all messed up. I don't want to see some lady who's abusing animals and most likely murdered her husband. 
I don't want to see all the various circus freaks that you have working at your crazy zoo. I, I don't find it interesting. I do not find it interesting even a little bit. I find it depressing. Does that make me weird, Chris? Because I do. I find it depressing. They had one dude on there. The last episode I watched, he was, I forget his exact story. Of course, it was some story of heartbreak. And he was, quote, taken in by the Tiger King guy. Almost seemed a little groomy to me. Plucked some kid off the street, and of course they had a... I just don't need to go into it. And the kid has all these tattoos and clearly had a really rough upbringing. And he smiles, and he has like four teeth. And I realize I'm a bad person. I don't know, but I don't enjoy that. What part of that makes me feel better when I'm done? Now, it's not like I'm just watching... People sing It's a Small World, after all, on repeat. I have no problem with some heavy shows and stuff. I don't like doing that, but I feel like women like that more than men do. Chris, am I crazy about that? The wife loves, and I mean loves, a great murder mystery. Chris says Chris says it's because women love drama like that. It probably isn't. My, my wife will get hooked on some show, and she'll say, oh, you've got to watch this with me. Honey, what's it about? Oh, it's about this doctor, and he starts bringing in all these vulnerable people and putting them to sleep and carving out their hearts. No, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm good. No, you're going to love this story. She keeps getting married to these guys, and then she'll find someone to cheat on him with and then has that new person kill her old husband for the insurance money. And then the kids, she actually killed her kids. And I'm all, whoa, 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 I'm done. I'm already, I'm already done. That sounds awful. And I don't know what that is. 877-377-4373. 877-377-4373. If you have some explanation for what that is when it comes to women, I have no idea. But women love that depressing crap. But there's something to that, Chris. Because, again, women love sad music when they're sad. And I can't explain that. When I'm sad about something, I try to dig my way out of it. I'm going to go do something fun. I'm going to... Turn on something upbeat. I'm gonna who know have a have a glass of Jim Beam, the good stuff. Women, when they get sad, they'll just start playing sad songs and just wade into it and just start ball. That sounds awful to me, but that's part of the reason we're different. And they love those the, those horrible, depressing shows like that. Man, I hate them. She'll be watching one of those. And I'll tell her she's a weirdo freak. And I'll go out into the living room and I'll turn on a World War One documentary. <laughs> and she comes out and she's all, you think I'm the weirdo freak? You sit down and watch war documentaries. Which, in her defense, the numbers for her show are significantly higher than the numbers for my war documentaries. <laughs> all right, Chris. Ketchup on eggs. You're dead set against it? 
You don't like ketchup at all? What do you eat on hot dogs? Just mustard? Never mind. I forgot how disgusting you were. He eats mustard and chili and cheese, which I have no problem with. That's a great chili dog, but he adds sauerkraut to it. If you eat and enjoy sauerkraut, I want you to turn the I want you to turn the radio off right now. You're done for the day. Chris, you can't defend it. He tries to jump in and says, what's the last sauerkraut you had? I have not only, well, look, I was a small child the last time I ate sauerkraut, but you have to understand when I walk by sauerkraut being cooked, it actually gives me the dry heaves. It doesn't, but I'm close to dry heaves. So don't sit here and defend something that smells like an open sewer. What? No, Chris, I, you don't tell me I have to get it when it's crisp, when it's soggy, it's horrible. Bro, I, I'm not talking about the texture. I can smell it. That's that sweet, rancid trash. What are you throwing your hands up in the air for? I'm not making up that wretched smell. I See, this is why he, Chris is a child. He tells me to try one bite and then I'm past it. Why do I have to get past it? It's not boot camp. I don't have to get through it. If it smells like an open sewer in Yemen, I'm not eating it. I don't have to try to get past it. I have no desire to eat it. I'm never going to eat it. What's wrong with you? What is wrong with you people? That's not true. Chris just said I don't like pickles. I don't love pickles, but I can eat pickles. I can eat them just fine. Sauerkraut's disgusting, but I'm a ketchup and mustard on a hot dog guy, or maybe some maybe some onions. But I love a good chili cheese and mustard dog. Ooh, maybe we should get chili dogs after the show today. That's a great. Let's go get chili dogs. We have this great uh, Coney Island store, Coney Island restaurant here, and you can get these Coney Island or these Coney dogs any way you want. Dag gone now. I'm starving, Chris. Now I'm starving. Let's go. No, we're not. You're not. I'm not ordering you anything with sauerkraut. I don't even care if you ask. Okay. You can order them the way I want them ordered. That's disgusting. You're disgusting. Gosh, these people. I work with, I want you all to understand this. I know you think that I am this superhero, you know, but I know you think that I come and sit behind this microphone and just talk all day long and that life is good. You have to know these morons I work with, like producer Chris and phone screener Mitchell. Constantly, constantly having to teach them how the world works. And it's like pulling teeth. It's genuinely like pulling teeth. All right. Something actually important. House Democrats forced to scrap FISA vote following Trump's veto promise. We are finally... By the grace of God, starting to make some headway with this FISA stuff. And it's been long overdue. I'll explain in a second.
Joining us now, before we get back to the FISA stuff, our friend Daniel Turner with Power of the Future. Daniel, tell me this. Do you think there's oil on the moon? <laughs> um, that's a great question. I'm going to say no. And the main reason why is because oil, we call oil fossil fuels, right? That's kind of a, I think it's meant to be a pejorative term. It's meant to be a dumb term. People thought that fossil fuels were literally decaying by dinosaur bones, and we know that's not the case, but the term stuck. But regardless, oil is an organic material, and I don't believe there is any evidence that the, the moon has anything organic on it. Well, that's a little – wow, what a buzzkill you are. Are you trying to say you don't yeah. believe in – do you not believe in aliens? Um, I, no, I honestly don't believe in aliens. Wow. Well, wow. I'll give you this. The if, arrogance. If there are such a thing, I would say if there is such a thing as aliens, that we will never at all have the ability to communicate uh, or interact with them. So they may be aliens, but we will never be able to deal with them. Why? Do they, do they speak Spanish? Uh, do they what? Do they speak Spanish or something? No. <laughs> so... If now, if I tell you this, I am unveiling on on a national radio show mm-hmm. a little bit of I'm, I'm I'm unveiling a lot about me. Yes. So this is a big yes. gamble. Give it to but us. Let, you want? Should we just should we just you know throw a caution to the wind and do it? Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's roll. Uh, my and I base it on religious reasons and not on uh, on scientific reasons. And my religious reasons of this: all creation comes from God. Human beings are able to deal with other human beings. Human beings were created by God. We are no longer able to talk to, to, to angels because of original sin. Original sin changed the condition of humanity, and we needed redemption. There was only one redemptive act by Christ on the crucifix. That has happened once in history, and it cannot be repeated. Aliens, if they are fallen, need some sort of redemptive act. That means there was a Christ who died in multiple times, so there are multiple redemptive acts. We can't believe that as Christians. I don't so see then aliens are I don't see aliens. Therefore, are flawless creatures that we cannot deal with, or they don't exist. I don't that's my, see that's why my that's belief. that's not controversial at all. That's why I don't care about <laughs> outer space. That's the exact reason I don't care about outer space. My opinion on it has always been: God gave me the Earth. He did not give me any other parts, so I don't give a crap about outer space. All right. Now, Greta Thunberg, <laughs> talk about what you sent me on her. Yeah, you know, I wrote this piece um, recently for, for Human Events on, on, on Greta, and, uh, and, and it's really about the concern I have of people using children to an advance an agenda. Um, the, the leftist agenda, the green agenda, is not popular. There's no national appetite for it. Here's proof. In the latest proposal that Nancy Pelosi put forward as part of the coronavirus stimulus, she introduced uh, mail-in voting. If mail-in voting was such a great idea, well, she's been in Congress since basically Reconstruction. How come she's never introduced it before? Why did she have to sneak it through a back door because she knows it's an unpalatable decision. That is the entire green agenda. They know it is unpalatable. They can't actually bring it to, uh, to, to, to light on its own. Look what happened when AOC introduced the Green New Deal. It was laughed at on Twitter for three or four straight days mm-hmm. until they took it down, right? And so since they can't introduce it on its own, they have to sneak it in back doors or 
They have to use children as human shields. Greta Thunberg pushing a green agenda is no different than Hamas launching missiles from a schoolyard uh, 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 basketball court because they know you cannot reply. They know you can't fight back because then you have dead children on your hands. And that's why they use Greta Thunberg. Let me ask you something. Is there I, I have I've long had this theory that so much of the Democrat Party's support for these Green New Deal things, which are openly job killing, they're not election winners. They're just not. I mean, you can't stand up on stage and promise to kill jobs and have that be a winner. I have long said that I feel like so much of their support for it is a, there's a boatload of money of campaign money in being an environmentalist, and that's why so many of them take this line. Is there money? Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and here's a, a great example for that. And this is why I love being on your show, Jesse, because you, you are, are a step ahead of the Trump campaign, the, the Biden campaign, the national media, and this is exactly what I love about you. I am. Joe Biden is proposing to – you are. No, no doubt. <laughs> Joe Biden is proposing to build – 500,000 charging stations Mm. throughout the country because we're going to have electric vehicles and we're going to build 500,000 charging stations. Quick question that you think the Wall Street Journal would be interested in, or I'm sorry, the the New York Times or the Washington Post. What companies build those charging stations, Mm. right? I mean, does Jesse Kelly build charging stations? Who is that company giving money to? Who's on the board of those companies? Have they given campaign contributions? If you're using tax dollars to build 500,000 of these, someone's getting awfully rich off of it. Now, if the market wanted them, wouldn't the market just build those charging stations? I never saw the government mandate Exxon put a gas station in a certain town. But somehow Exxon knows to put one there. It's like the age-old thing about how many Chinese restaurants can one neighborhood in Queens support? As many as the market determines. And you look around and you're like, how are there five Chinese restaurants on this street? I don't know. But somehow the market supports it, right? If the market supported electric vehicle charging stations, the market would build it. But Joe's going to mandate it. And someone is going to get really, really, really rich off of 500,000 of them. I'd love to know who that person is. Man. Politics is a dirty bit of business, man. God, it's so true. Vile. It's so true. I mean, that is that is just foul. And that's taxpayer money. That's the most amazing part about it, Daniel. That's our money. He's promising to use exactly. our money to fund his campaign donor in a roundabout way. Exactly. And he'll do this with, with, with um, the solar farms he's planning, with the wind farms he's planning. Look, I understand our taxpayers have to support the electric grid and we have to support the local power plant. But, those, but we're paying for those utilities, right? We're going to pay somebody now to close those things down and to build something else. Look, Joe, here's another example. Joe Biden keeps saying he's going sh- to stop the Keystone Pipeline construction. It's already under construction. When I become president, I'm going to stop this. Great. What about the few hundred miles we've already built? Who's taking it down? Are the taxpayers taking it down? Are you going to make uh, a ETP, the company building it, take it down? If I'm the CEO of ETP, I'm going to say, go blow it out your nose, Joe. I'm not taking down the pipeline. You take it down. Right? These are follow-up questions about the green agenda I'm always curious about because someone's making themselves very rich, and we never get to find out who those people are. Hunter Biden, in a nutshell, that's who's always getting rich off these things. <laughs> What's your go-to order at a Chinese food restaurant? 
you got to get your egg rolls and your pot mm-hmm. stickers right off the bat. Dang because they, they yes. 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 Why, why, do, why do people not realize the greatness of the pot sticker? It blows me away. Oh. I could not, it would never occur to me to walk in a Chinese food restaurant and not order the pot stickers. They're so good. And the soy sauce, ah. Oh. Yep. Any little piece of, of meat that is put in a little dough pocket, whether you call it a tortellini like the Italians who you hate but all my people make, <laughs> or whether you call it a pierogi or, or you call it a dumpling, is my favorite food in the world. Little pieces of meat and little pieces of dough. Oh, my gosh. Happiest man in the world, Jesse. Daniel Turner, power of the future. Thank <laughs> you, my friend. You go, go get yourself some egg rolls. A wide range of conversations we just had, but always a pleasure, Jesse. Have a great weekend. <laughs> Be good, brother. We really do have to get some more focus on this show, Chris. I think starting now, we're going to start focusing more often. We're going to take this weekend. We're going to refocus. We're going to figure things out. Don't forget, don't forget, the whole show's available on iHeart, Google, Spotify, or iTunes. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave a five-star review. Talk about my handsomeness. It's critical. Hang on. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. I find it very hard to believe that so many people can abandon their animals. I, 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 don't, I don't understand what would possess somebody to drive down the road with their dog. Think about your dog. Drive down the road with their dog and just open up the door and let the dog out and drive off. Is that not the most awful freaking thing you've ever heard in your life? And yet, not only does it happen, it happens a lot. It happens a lot. There are some really not great people in this world. And I love that Leo Grillo has started Delta Rescue, started it 40 years ago, and he's dedicated his life to finding those animals and rescuing those animals. That is really, really cool. What a great mission. I highly recommend you get involved with it. The guy knows what he's doing, and he's doing the right thing. Go to deltarescue.org slash jesse. That's deltarescue.org slash jesse. Start helping him save these animals. We were talking about working for temperamental bosses in the break. Did I tell you about the time I only time I ever got fired, Chris? Uh, it was by my dad. Yep. Uh, not even joking. I know. Don't spit water on the keyboard. I'm not making it up. So I'm working construction. He's the uh, he's a superintendent. So he's you know the big cheese on the job. And I, my dad always made sure because he never wanted it to look bad that I always had the crappy jobs. And I didn't know what I was doing anyway, so I should have had the crappy jobs. But whatever sucked, I'm the low man on the totem pole. There was certainly no privilege, <laughs> I'll tell you that much. I'm about 99% sure he told all the foremans to treat me like crap because that's what my dad would do. I'm not bitter about it. I'm thrilled about it. Help make me the man I am. And we're doing some project. 
It's only me and three or four other guys. We're, we're just doing some cleanup work on the project. It's just a bunch of shovel work. And the old man comes home one day, and he's in a bad mood. Something bad had happened at work. He's in a bad mood. And somebody had lost the keys to the Connex box, the, to the big box where we kept all the shovels and stuff so nobody locked, so nobody stole them overnight. It's just a big, it's just a big metal box. You put all the stuff in and lock it up. And somebody had lost the keys to it. He came home. No, Chris, it was not me. It was very much not me. In fact, I never even held the keys. He came home and said, "You, I'm sure you're the one who lost the keys. Well, I, I was probably 17, 18 at the time. So I was fine. I was at that, you know, spicy teenager age where, I mean, I'd never done anything like this before. But I, I just basically said, no, I didn't. You probably did. No, I didn't. We get in this little mini blowout, and he tells me, you're fired. In no uncertain terms, you're fired. Don't come back. And I give him the, you know, good. Take your crap job. I don't want your crap job. I storm off. We storm off. You know, it was very mature. Very, You know how men fight. And on my life, the only time in my life I've ever been fired. On my life. I just, obviously, I'm going to sleep in the next day. Figure I'll wake up and go find a job. I got to get a job. I got to make some money. So I sleep in, sitting around the house. Old man calls at like noon. What are you doing? Um, I'm at the house. Well, why aren't you at work? I'm sorry, what? Why aren't you at work? You fired me like 12 hours ago. We'll get back to work tomorrow. And he hangs up the phone. That was my old man apologizing. <laughs> yes, someone found the keys. And no, they were not me. No, I told you. I would Look, how honestly, how often do I cover up when I'm a disaster? I know I'm a disaster. I would have told you if I eventually found the keys. I never had those daggone keys. But yeah, only time I've ever been fired lasted a day. And his apology is the best part. We'll get back to work tomorrow. Click. <laughs> Uh, All right, shoot, dang it, show's almost over. Let's get to some headlines. Headline, House forced Dems to scrap FISA vote following Trump veto promise. I'm thrilled Donald Trump is finally doing something about the disgusting, corrupt FISA court in this country. Any court that has a 98-plus percent approval rating of FISA warrants to spy on the American people is not a court. That's a rubber stamp. You could teach a monkey to do that. Headline, we all failed. Governor Cuomo admits COVID-19 projection models were all wrong, yet clings to the central planner's pretense of knowledge. Um, no, we weren't all wrong. You were all wrong. I was right the entire time. Headline, Trump promises again to bring our soldiers home from Afghanistan. Hmm, what's the rush? Headline. DOJ urges Trump veto on FISA legislation, vote in limbo. Wow, this headline was actually old, so I covered this. This counts as having gone through a headline, Chris. Headline, man accused of killing wife by throwing cobra on her while she slept after failing previous viper attempt. (laughs) Here's my question, Chris. Here's my question. Um... What are you thinking if you're the wife and the viper got thrown on you while you slept? Isn't that a good time to step away? 
I mean, once I get one venomous steak thrown on me by my spouse in the middle in the middle of the night, I don't think I'm going to employ a, a three strikes and you're out policy on that. I think I'm going to go ahead and be out on that. You know, I'm going to go. Uh, I don't think it's meant to be here. Um, yeah. And what a weird way to kill somebody. I guess I guess maybe it does make sense, though, because, shoot, you could totally claim it's natural causes. It took place in India. They have all those snakes in India. I saw a video yesterday. Have you seen how big king cobras are, Chris? I know everybody can picture a cobra. Everybody knows what a cobra is. Chris, look up king cobras, how big king cobras get. There's a video floating around online. Some dude in India is pouring water on the head of a king cobra outside of his home, almost as if it's like a pet. This thing looks like a python. It's gigantic. King cobras are absolutely gigantic. How big are they, Chris? 13 feet. This thing was humongous and not just long. It was fat. The girth was impressive. Huge girth on this thing. Hang on a second. Ebb sleep. Remember that. Ebb sleep. Because it's time you start sleeping again. It's time you put away that pill bottle I know you use. Those sleeping pills. Oh, I'll, just, I'll just get another prescription so I can start sleeping. You are only hurting yourself with that. You're only kicking the can down the road. There's a reason you wake up after using those sleeping pills and still feel groggy. Do you think that's healthy? That you just knocked out for 9, 10 hours and you wake up and you're still tired? There's a reason. That's because it wasn't great sleep. Stop putting chemicals in your body. Start using an ebb sleep. It is a wearable, wearable device. It targets those thoughts racing through your head and calms them down so you can get to sleep faster and stay asleep longer. Go to tryebb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Use the promo code jesse at checkout. Get 25 bucks off. The wife just texted me because she was heading to the grocery store. I asked her to pick up a little firewood. She texted me that there was no firewood at the grocery store, which I didn't assume there would be. I just thought she might look. Sometimes they sell the little bundles. So I texted her back, don't worry, I've got the wood. I know, right now I can, let's see, up, text just came through. Yep, it's the eye roll thing. Chris, you have to, you have to keep them on their toes at all times. You have to always remind them that they married an immature child. Okay? If you missed any part of the Jesse Kelly show, the entire thing is on Google, Spotify. It's on iHeart. It's on iTunes. Go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Leave it a five-star review. Talk about how handsome I am. Have a great weekend. There's plenty of crappy, crappy news out there. Don't worry about that at all. Don't focus on all of it. Peek in. Enjoy your weekend with your family, people. Come on now. That's all.
Jesse Kelly Show. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What? Look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a 1,000 at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.